Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 12 through 18, called Progress Through Problems. There's a uh, running joke that when pastors get together, the first thing they ask each other is how many people go to your church? And that, as if that is the measurement of success, right? Because that's worldly success. It's all about numbers. So I heard a, I heard a pastor say that now whenever he's asked that question, he responds with, well, we have 15 to 20,000 people going to the church. And usually it's always saucers because, you know, the average church in America is about 70, 75 people. And so the eyes get big and he says, he doesn't always clarify, but what he means is we have between 15, one five dash, and 20,000 people. Do you see what's happening here? (laughs) He doesn't clarify it. Just to get a little bit of a, whoa. Because there is something in the human mind. And I will tell you that a famous pastor who has fallen and fallen hard was quoted as saying that he could not receive counsel from other pastors because he had the biggest church in the area. And somebody came to him when he was about to go into flames, and he did, and said to him, you need to get counsel from other pastors and other mature leaders. And he he said, I can't receive from that guy because my church is bigger than his. Now tell me if that's not a red flag. Tell me if that, you know, I feel feel bad for hockey goalies. Every time they get scored on, woo, 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 that's gotta be a terrible thing. You gotta wanna shrink into your pads or something, you know? But he said, that's literally what he said. I can't receive. So listen to this. I heard a a gentleman and he said, look, uh, over the years, he said, I've been pastoring for decades and our church has gone up to 700 and down to 300 and we've never had any major issues and we're right around four or 500 people. And he goes, this is what I believe. I believe that the Lord has wired me to pastor four to 500 people and I'm where he has me. And it's not that I don't want the church to grow. But he said, I believe every time we seem to get above that number, he brings us back down and maybe that's just where he has us. But I will say this, this I'm quoting another pastor. He said, I have plenty that I can share with other pastors about ministry because it does, you don't have to be at a thousand or more to, to be able to be credible. Do you understand? This is what goes on in the Christian world. And, and I will tell you, it's not the stuff that we're proud of. And I was reading a commentator this week who said, it is difficult to get Christian churches to partner on just about anything in a city. We, can't, we can barely get five or more pastors to pray over this city together. Now, it used to be a little bit different, I will say in earlier days, and I think I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt to my brothers. I will say that a lot of them are just really busy and it's difficult for them to fit it in. There's a lot of demands in the ministry, but I'll say this. Do you know the, the guys that normally show up to those things? They're, they're pastoring small Pentecostal churches and they're almost at everything we do. 
But when we try to get some of the larger churches to participate, it's, it's difficult. And to give the benefit of the doubt, maybe they're just busy or whatever. But this writer went on to say that the only thing we can seem to partner on is crusades happening in our city or near our city. He, he said, but even with that, sometimes people take exception even to that form of evangelism and don't agree with it. And so they oppose it. And so if you're wondering, how could it be that some people were preaching the gospel out of ill will? Here's what I think is happening. I think people in the Roman church leadership saw Paul in prison and probably did a number like this. And this is kind of what happens in the word faith movement. There's no way that God can be blessing Paul if he's in prison. Because no Preacher who's blessed by God is going to be in a prison cell, brothers and sisters. Take that to the bank. They're going to be flying in their second jet that they ripped off the people of God to get. They won't say that, but do you get my point? I think people saw an opening, and 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 I'm telling you, this is the ugliest stuff in human nature. I think they saw an opening to run Paul down to accuse him of not being in the center of God's will and try to step into a power position. And that is sad. But I'll tell you, in the business world, in Hollywood, in the sports world, anytime an opening comes, we can feel bad for that person for a minute or two, but all of a sudden, what do we like to see? There's an opening for my favorite person. Oh, yeah. Outside and inside the church. And that's why Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Remember how we laid out the theme verses for Philippians? Who, although being in very form God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a bondservant. We're going to study this on Sunday, the law of the bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and he laid down his rights. The king of heaven. That's why Paul argues in Philippians 2 the way he does. Let this mind be in you. What are we doing? Why are these guys preaching from ill will, trying to step into a gap, running me down as though I'm not in God's will because I'm in a prison cell? Why? Because they don't have the mind of Christ. And before I point my finger at someone else, I tell you, it challenges me to the core that I have to have the mindset of Jesus Christ I have to put others as more important than myself. I can't look only for my own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. How countercultural that is. How against it is. Self magazine. Self. I want to read that. Self. Right? And it permeated the the mindset of Christians. And I'm going to make the point that these are not heretics. These are not false teachers who are doing this. They're preaching the biblical gospel with the wrong motive. He says the latter, the people who do it out of love, uh, do it out of love or they do it for right motives. Let's go back to uh, verse 15 just so we can set the context one more time. He says, some also from goodwill, that's the latter group. The latter do it out of love knowing, what do they know? That I'm appointed for the defense. That's apologia again, where we get apologetics. 
the apologia of the gospel. Now they know that I'm in prison and the Lord's using it for his divine plan. So they're lovingly stepping into gaps. Paul's off the field, so they stepped onto the field. They're preaching. They're not embarrassed by Paul's chains. They love Paul. They love God. They love Paul. And they've stepped up into a gap. And that is the beauty of this latter group. Motivated by the love of God and the love of Paul. They know what's happening. They can see God's hand working through the praetorian guard and through people who come to visit Paul. And their intentions are good. The former, group A, the negative here, the former proclaim Christ out of what? Selfish ambition rather than from pure motives thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. The idea of selfish ambition there is a Greek word which means to desire to put oneself forward. It literally means canvassing for office, partisanship. It's one who would put themselves forward and do whatever it takes to win political office. And I don't have to tell you how ugly political ads get. What's the typical MO of a political ad? You run the other person down so much so that the people will vote for you. And this apparently is what they were doing. They're running Paul down so much, jockeying for position. The, the latter group did, stepped into a gap. And I know many of you have done that over your life. And you know, maybe you see a need in this ministry or over here and you stepped in. And that's beautiful. Motiva- motivated by love. But the other group, motivated by selfish ambition, personal jealousy, trying to grab a spot, trying to grab notoriety or whatever their reasons or motives were. But their motives are certainly judged here. They weren't doing it from pure motives. They did it for selfish ambition, 17, and to cause Paul more distress. And Paul had no hair to pull out because historically we're told he was bald. I just thought I'd throw that in just... Anyway, sadly, it was Christians slamming their brother. Perhaps they were threatened or territorial, and they were making the situation for Paul worse. You would expect this from the Roman guards, not from fellow church leaders. But I will tell you, and this is to prepare some of you for reality, that some of your biggest disappointments will come from professing Christians. And I hate to say it, but it's true. Some of your biggest disappointments, in fact, it's why a lot of people are not in a church tonight. Amen? You can say amen to negative news, by the way. It just means we agree. So, amen? You know, when you're out there talking to people, you know why they haven't darkened the door of a church in a decade? The guy had the fish on his business card, but then he didn't do work the right way and ripped me off. Well, my cousin over here invited me to go to church, and I started going. He cheated on his wife. Oh, my coworker over here uh, was preaching the gospel and handing out gospel tracts, and then I find out that he embezzled a bunch of money from the company, and on and on and on it goes. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people. Would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And then they flip on the TV to hopefully see some genuine Christianity. <laughs> and all God's people said, oh no. Because while there are good, solid pastors on Christian television, about every other program makes me go, oh no. If that is their perception of us, we in trouble, Right? And so this is what was going on, a kick them when they're down attitude. And it was coming from believers. So what does Paul do with this? All of a sudden, our Bible study moved from such a wonderful celebration, people waxing bold, praetorian guards getting saved, permeating Caesar's household to, oh, bummer. So what do you think Paul did? I mean, this is the guy that says in chapter four, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice while he's in chains. What's he going to do with this situation? Check it out. Final verse. What then? For what? Or what are we to think is the language? Only that everywhere, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Praise God. The guy is living what he teaches. Now, he had a moment while he was writing it. Man, a bummer. It was tough. Just like the psalmist, kind of going up and down sometimes, right? Undulations. Remember undulations, Psalm 31? But Paul goes back to what he knows. He's driven by the bigness of gospel advance. And he goes... Here's what he says. Not only, not only is all this cool stuff happening in the Caesar's household, but even though people are preaching from impure motives, they're preaching everywhere. Even though they want to steal my spot, the gospel's getting out. And in this, I will rejoice. Amen? Are you a half glass empty or half glass full kind of person? I think Paul is the glass is half full. And he says, hey, the gospel's going out. Now, just so I can make this solid in your mind. If the group of individuals was preaching a false gospel, Paul would not have rejoiced. Because in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9, he says to the Galatian church, if anyone preaches another gospel, I don't care if it's an angel from heaven or anybody else, even if we did it, let him be under the divine curse. I said it once, I'll say it again. If anybody preaches any other gospel than the one that we have preached to you, let him be anathema. These men were preaching the true gospel. As one writer put it, they weren't anti-Christ, they were anti-Paul. Their motives were wrong, but the true gospel was going out. Just so you understand what's going on here. Because no 
person like Paul and no biblically thinking Christian would ever rejoice in a false gospel. Paul is not saying, I'm so happy that there's so many preachers butchering the gospel. No, he's not saying that. He's saying they're preaching the true gospel. Their motives are wrong, but they're preaching the truth and I'll rejoice in that. Paul would never rejoice in a false gospel. So if you hear somebody tell you, well, God will work all the doctrinal matters out. You know, at least the guys up there preaching, it's not good if he's butchering everything and leading people astray. Most every New Testament book is written to counter false doctrine. Amen? And a redefinition of the gospel. So don't buy that for a second. Paul would never rejoice in that. He's rejoicing that the gospel is being preached in its purity and power. However, he knows the motives are in question. But he'll rejoice that the gospel is getting out. That's the difference. And that's what we can rejoice in. Father, thank you for your living word. And thank you for this section of the book of Philippians. And, you know, we're going to circle back to the title, Progress Through Problems. And it's namely gospel progress through problems. And thank you for Paul's big heart. Thank you for the hearts of people who are here tonight, those who are watching, those who will watch this later. Thank you that when our faith is tested, it gets perfected. When we go through tests, we end up with a testimony, Lord. And that was Paul. And all of a sudden, his life had become consumed with the gospel. And the testing of his faith was maturing him, but it was also, it was causing other people to hear and believe the gospel. It was progressing. And that is our passion, Lord. Help us to be as singularly focused as we can be in the hour in which we live. It's tough, but help us to think about, pray about, gospel advance as much as possible because we know you so love the world that you sent your son on that saving mission and Paul met him on the road to Damascus and he said Lord what would you have me to do and Jesus you said I'm going to show this man how much he must suffer for me but he'll be my instrument before kings and governors and the Gentiles and the Jewish people to bring the gospel the truth And Father, thank you for living truth. Thank you for this wonderful congregation. And help us, Lord, to make the most of our time, as Ephesians 5 puts it, because the days, they are evil. But help us to make the most of opportunity and every opportunity. And also, Father, just to drink in blessings uh, that come from heaven down to us. We're so grateful. So would you bless and fill your people and strengthen them? And if you haven't met This Jesus who can give you peace in the midst of your storm. He can break the chains, the spiritual chains in your life. Ask him to save you tonight. If you are a prodigal and you need to come home, or if you've been off mission, maybe you'll be motivated to get back on. Whatever the Lord might be saying to you, if you need to ask him in for the first time, if you're watching via live stream, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me, Thank you for dying on that terrible cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. I trust you. I repent of my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, my King, my God. If you're a Christian, I pray the Lord will give you renewed strength tonight, blessings overflowing in your life, that you may abound in hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people. You've been listening to Progress Through Problems, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 12 through 18. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just so you know, we have a free apologetic event coming up and we would love it if you would join us. They're called 633 and that's based on Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. On July 17th, Dr. Craig Hawkins will be doing a talk on the origins of the Enneagram. Learn more when you visit Walk in Truth or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. I want to take a moment to address some of my brothers in the pastorate. Um, I know that the whole COVID thing was very taxing for pastors, and many churches came out having lost membership and uh, really almost having to start uh, all over again. And maybe you're the pastor of a small church and uh, things have been tough. You know, we've had a lot of people move uh, out of California, uh, not for any specific reason, you know, that they weren't happy at the fellowship, but we've had a lot of good people leave the state. And I'll tell you, it's been hard. These have been some of our core committed people who just had had enough and uh, they left the state of California. And, and I'll tell you, it's hard. And we, we felt some of that, too, here. Uh, we've seen, you know, some uh, ramifications of COVID, some people who were committed here who have not been back and I'm not sure they're coming back. And then we've had others um, move out of the state because of, uh, you know, the inflation, the high cost of living here, uh, frankly, sometimes because of the politics here in this state, which are hard to take often. And uh, maybe you're pastoring a church and you feel like, man, and the, the numbers have trickled and you don't know what to do. And you like progress through problems. You know, I'm, I'm just hanging on here. Well, I want to take a moment to pray for all of our pastors. Can I, can I say to our listening family, would you pray for pastors too? You know, pastors that you think are so strong and so consistent are, are human. And uh, we all struggle. And there's times when waving the white flag is something that's very real for pastors. Uh, they're you know, some of the statistics I hear about pastors leaving the ministry are, are alarming and churches not doing well. So my prayer is simply this. Um, and let's go to the Lord right now and let's just take it to him. Father, I want to pray for every pastor in America, every pastor all, all around the world. Our missionaries, Lord, uh, often on the front lines without much fanfare at all and sometimes with very little support. Lord, in the areas where we should have been giving more to ministries like this and we've been selfish, forgive us. We pray for strength for our pastors, but we also know that they need some tangible encouragement and some tangible support. And some of them have to work um, a full-time job and try to pastor a church. And I've done that before, and and it's not easy to balance things and to keep going and persevering, especially when there's problems or when people are leaving. So I want to pray for the churches in this country. I I think the only solution really is a revival. And uh, I pray it would start with us at the pastorate, but it would trickle down to our country and to this world. We need you, Lord. And so we hold up our brothers and sisters in the pastorate, uh, those who are pastor's wives, um, 
those who are uh, leaders of women's ministries, etc., that you would hold the ladies up as well. But for my brother pastors, I pray that you keep them strong in the Lord and in the strength of your might. Amen. Hey, we have a special event coming up on July 17th. It's a 633 apologetics event. Now you might wonder, well, what is that about? Well, we do that based upon Matthew 633. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These are special nights where we deal with kind of hot topics in the church or the culture to bring answers as we compare and contrast these ideas with the historic Christian faith. So Professor Hawkins will be here on July 17th for a special evening. We're going to have a dinner, a little bit of worship. We're going to have a time of teaching, more in-depth on the Enneagram, and then a Q&A time. So you can plan on like a 6.30 to about an 8.15 evening, 8.30, but well worth the time, well worth the drive. And uh, you're, we're kind of just wetting your whistle with some of these ideas. So that's the 6.33 event, July 17th, at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. In the city of Corona, you can get driving directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store or go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and plan on joining us on July the 17th. And please remember that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians 1, 19 through 26, called For Me to Live as Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.